fundamentally, I still have a lot of fun playing these games. I really enjoy them, and I have the utmost of respect to the craft of making a fighting game. Um, and yeah, I think they're beautiful things, and I and I really want more people to get into them and play them and enjoy them in the same way that you know that when I first got into them, when I got into fighting games when I was in university, I really felt a sense of community and then place and being and it kind of extended beyond just just the game itself um and you know a lot of the things we've talked about in in, in this in today's interview like the sense of being able to express yourself through a, through a video game i think it's um perhaps most prevalent or at least prevalent in a very kind of unique way through fighting games because you're doing it against the backdrop of another human being. So <laughs> we're kind of getting into the conversation now, but we think that, or I think that your podcast and your channel is definitely one of the top, if not the top, like you know, tech in explore, exploration, FGC, mm -hmm. content creation. It's one of the best by far. And uh, if not the best, because you just have an incredible level of detail. You have an incredible consistency. You've put out so much work over a shorter period of time. And you do a really great job, man, at, at interviewing people. And we wanted to know, we wanted to know a little bit about like, um, where does your drive for the high quality come from? How did you get started, you know, into just really, going hard on great quality content revolving around tech and FGC and gaming. Sure. Um, I guess the idea for the um, channel, I, I wouldn't say there's any single starting point, but I do remember when I was trying to get into tech and competitively, um, I found it to be such a um, uphill struggle. Mm. And um a lot of that was alleviated by the fact that I learned it in arcades in London. So, you know, the person who writes or co-writes a lot of our scripts now, uh, Dinosaur, he taught me a lot of like how to approach Tekken, you know, from a game plan perspective, breaking down all the constituent elements of the gameplay into really easily digestible chunks and it's like okay you you have to think of it you have to approach of it you have to approach it in this certain manner and none of that is presented to you and I always thought to myself like if if I didn't have my mentors if I didn't have Starscream, Dino, Cobra Commander all these like London heads helping me to get through the game and they motivated me not just through teaching but also through their friendship right so recently right. games have been like the way we play fighting games has fundamentally changed, shifted to online. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's really important to keep that, that culture of mentorship and friendly rivalries and just friendships running. And I guess YouTube has sort of filled in the spot and Twitter and social media in general has filled in like the whole of what arcade culture left behind. Um, especially now in COVID days. Well, it seems we're coming to the end of COVID days. Thank God, it seems like. But um, like, you know, 
the way we play fighting games has changed though. And um, like whenever I saw uh, fighting game tutorials on YouTube, um, they were always like, it always seemed like they were preaching to the converted. Like mm. they, they had, they were, there was this barrier of, you know, technical lingo. Often the, um, the production quality wasn't all that great. Uh, they were sort of, you know, there was, there was nothing. Really <laughs> they were not good. <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah, they were not good. I'm trying to, I won't miss my words. I love the word great, basically. Um, so at the time, I think like, you know, you'd see, um, and I don't want to put down uh, a lot of uh, YouTube content creators. I think there are some really great personalities out there. And there are some people who have made some really, really good videos. But like, I'd look at channels, for example, Game Makers Toolkit. And I think, how can we take that and apply it, that, that level of production quality and that, and that level of professionalism and apply it to fighting games? And that was basically one of the starting impetus. Another big inspiration was um, Novel Tataki's channel. He had this series called Guilty Bits where he sort of succinctly covered each character in plus R in like mm. three to four minutes. And I thought, that's great. Why aren't people doing more of those? <laughs> so right. uh, I did more of those, but just, just for Tekken. But fundamentally the drive came through, like I found it really hard to get into Tekken. Uh, I didn't think there was enough, especially with the release of Tekken 7 impending to help pe players get into it. They might just kind of, you know, get lost in the woods and not see the, the trees from the, from the woods from the trees or whatever, whatever the proverb is. <laughs> but um, yeah. like, I, I thought, yeah, it's a great game, but it's going to be lost on a lot of people. So let's help them get into it. And uh, fortunately in that first video, like the first video we did was the Tekken 7 character overviews and it kind of, hit a chord, I think. It was what um, people were looking for uh, at the time. And um, just it kind of went from there. I, I never came into this planning to become a content creator. I just kind of went into it thinking, yeah, <laughs> be fun. Yeah. It'll be fun to make some um, cool videos. And just going into my background, we'll go, we'll, we'll talk, we'll go into this more in depth later. But um, at the time, I was a kind of a full-time English teacher. I taught mainly private classes from home. And right. um, I, I really wanted to kind of transfer the skills I developed as a teacher um, into fighting games. And we can go into that, that a sense. bit later, like the difference between being a player and a teacher, because I think they're fundamentally different skills. It's a lot of Yeah, sense. definitely. Yeah, that gives us a lot of insight into kind of how you got started and why you got started, because that's one thing that we noticed that the question isn't asked, like what motivates someone not only to do the work that they do, but in that particular style. And that makes a lot of sense where you were trying to get into Tekken, but weren't finding quality uh, Tekken videos or quality fighting mm. game uh, content stuff. And not to say that it didn't exist at all, but in the scale mm. that you decided to pursue it. Uh, it. It didn't exist on that level. And then also you mentioned how, um, how the internet kind of changed things and how the, you know, loss of arcades and more everyone going online, of course, that would in affect how people uh, carry discourse about fighting yeah. games and related subjects online. Um, mm. Can you maybe go into detail and talk a little bit about your upbringing? Like what was your first 
uh, gaming experience, your first experience in the arcade? What was the first game that you really fell in love with? Maybe your first fighting game. Just give us a little highlight into the beginnings of how you became so dedicated because it takes a lot of energy, not only a lot of technical skill to do what you do, but it takes a lot of like passion to do what you do. You put a lot of effort and in, in great work into what you do. So where did that come from? Cheers. I, I, I mean, before I jump into that, I have to make clear that, that TBS is really a, a team effort. A team. It's a teamwork. Yeah, 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 we're a team. So like I, I narrate, I write, um, I, um, I used to do mostly editing, but more and more these days for the high quality videos, um, Sean, our main editor handles that. And like, I, I kind of went into this thinking, you know, I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. And it's sort of like, know your limits, right? So we have a dedicated um, motion graphics designer. We have a dedicated graphic designer, Zulfikar. He's incredibly talented. He's been with the team nearly since the beginning. Um, you want to go through the team really quick? Yeah, yeah, sure. I think the, 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 like, there have been people who've jumped in and out right. at intervals, but like, I'd say um, the main persons working at TBS are, uh, well, myself, um, I'm kind of at the center of it. Sean is, uh, he handles the editing and quite a bit of the recording now and the motion graphics on a lot of the recent high quality videos. Um, there's also um, Alex who does, uh, who I hire on a commission um, based system. Um, like he basically does the editing for some stream highlights. Zulfikar, really important uh, member. He's been with the team since the very beginning. He does all the graphic design. He made the logo. He has the general idea. So I, I, mm. I, I kind of like feed him an idea. I'm like, it should kind of look like this. Try and use these colors and with this mm -hmm. kind of approach. And he'll, mm -hmm. we'll have a few discussions and we'll kind of a thumbnail or something or, you know, a banner or our merchandise will come out of it. Speaking of merchandise, uh, Honey, the very, very talented Honey is um, kind of our official illustrator. She, um, she has like a huge following on Twitter now, but um, like her, I could see her talent, uh, like her extraordinary talent right from the outset. And it's been mm -hmm. so encouraging to see her kind of, you can see her improve with every single drawing she does. She has such a right. thirst, such a passion for it. It's really incredible. Um, right. And I, I'd say, of course, did I mention Dino? Yeah, like he's, He's sort of the the brain, at least, of the tech and wise stuff. He his 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 way of breaking down game systems is unparalleled, and he's also mm. just a really great script writer, and um, he's just really funny to boot. So he's often on a lot of our podcasts. I would say those are the main five six members, and um, yeah, what I do is I I kind of supervise all the videos. I help out with recording and editing. I do the, all the audio balancing. I pick out the music. I write a good chunk of the scripts. Um, I kind of help polish them. Um, and, you know, increasingly in the future, I'm gonna be doing more of a streamer kind of oriented approach on the channel alongside the high quality videos we're known for. So we're kind of taking a two road kind of approach to the channel. Right. So we'll have like a monthly high quality video, but in the middle, like a bunch of like streamer discussions. As you've been seeing like recent streamers like Seijam or Anime Illuminati doing that, they've proven really successful with that and interesting to watch. So um, yeah, I'd like kind of like to join that discussion as well. Fantastic. And we'll be, we'll be tuned in and we wish you the best yeah. on the new, 
on the new venture. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the Genesis and shout out to the whole TBS team. We really appreciate the whole team's work. You all are brilliant and we are looking forward to seeing the next chapter for the channel. I appreciate it. Um, I'll be sure to let them know. I mean, the, the, the Genesis of the channel, I mean, the Genesis of- Of you. Yes, video games, <laughs> of, of me. Like, of, of, yeah. like, I remember the first video game I ever played. I, I have a really clear memory of this. Uh, and it was a fighting game. Barely though, it was, I don't know if you even know this, it was Barbarian on the Commodore 64. This is really, really old school. This is, <laughs> this, I barely even played it. I, I watched my brother play it. I was like two years old at the time. But the first time oh, wow. I, I, but I first time I really sat down, I remember playing a video game was uh, when we got a Mega Drive. Must have been 1990 or 1991. I was five years old at the time. And yeah, uh, the first two games I properly sat down and played were um, Sonic the Hedgehog, which was great. And uh, Altered Beast, which was not so great, but pretty funny. <laughs> um, yeah. I, yeah, and I was really kind of like a Sega head growing up back in the day. Like I um, grew up on the Mega Drive and then I w transitioned over to the Saturn and that unfortunately died a bit of an early death in the West. And, uh, but the thing with the Saturn is that it had a really, really um, lively import scene. And I remember reading in magazines about these import games like you know, X-Men versus Street Fights or Marvel superheroes and some, some of these more obscure titles as well, like Waku Waku 7. And mm. uh, the Saturn was the 32-bit system for 2D fighters. Like, it had the best version of, like, Street Fighter Alpha 2. And, like, most of the, the, the fighting games on the Saturn were the best, especially when you have the RAM cartridge add-on. So I think that was sort of the, the initial spark that got me into, like competitive fighting games like wow these are really really cool they're really fun they're really expressive at the time you know I, I wasn't of course I wasn't much of a player I just kind of like jump around doing hard kicks and like you know sweeps <laughs> and all that kind of stuff like hitty stuff but it really got me hooked onto the the aesthetic and um it's the general flow of fighting games like um 90s Capcom games you know it's a real golden age and um, I guess when I got a PlayStation um, 1994, I remember when I first saw Tekken on the PlayStation in 1994, it was, it was really, really incredible. But at the same time, Virtual Fighter 2 was also out on the Saturn, which kind of knocked its socks right. off a few months later. So <laughs> it, like at that time, like, you know, sequels would come out once every year. And there were real rivalries between these different companies, like fighting for a portion of this kind of new land when it came to video games. Like it was right. uncharted territory. Um, like, and you could feel that excitement in games at the time. Of course, nostalgia might be speaking a bit here as well. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it was a great time to really kind of get into gaming and fighting games and um you know i, I loved virtual fighter i love tech and i love street fighter um i loved all of them but i didn't really try to play them competitively because i didn't really have competition until xbox live mm -hmm. and i think it was 2003 yeah, 2003, when Xbox Live sort of became a fully functioning service and 
uh, Capcom versus SNK2 came out on Xbox Live. And that was the first time I bought an arcade stick and I learned how to use an arcade stick. And we're talking about 2003 delay-based netcode, right? So like nowadays it would be considered completely unplayable. But for me, it was my first experience of the mind games and the strategy and the excitement of playing against another human being. And I would rinse that game. Like um, that was the first game I really tried to get into. And I don't think I got very good but partially because it was my first fighting game and also because of the technical limitations, but I had a lot of fun, that's for sure. Mm. Um, but I remember the first time I, but the moment I really, really got into arcade culture and competitive fighting games was in 2004. Um, it was my first year at university. And also at Evo that year, we had uh, Evo Moment 37, of course, and that kind of, reignited my interest in fighting games to a whole new level. And um, I, after classes at university, I would go down to my local arcade. It was really close. I studied in, in central London. So it was like a 20 minute walk. And we had this place called the Trocadero, which is sadly since closed. And they had um, Third Strike. And I just started playing it. And at the same time, uh, they released the anniversary edition or collection or some kind of edition on Xbox Live, which had um, Hyper Street Fighter 2 yeah. and Third Strike. So I'd practice, I would drill my combos training with Third Strike at home, and then I'll go and put that, uh, put that, um, put the training mode into application at the arcades. And like that, every day I would just kind of do that, like go home, practice then go to the arcades. And surely with time, I made a bunch of friends and I got into the community. Um, and 2004 was a great year for fighting games because that year, um, Tekken 5 came out uh, towards the end. Of, uh, like I believe it was towards the end of the year. And uh, that was super, super exciting because it, it was brand spanking new uh it looked amazing um and there was this huge excitement around tekken 5 um and yeah that just kind of sucked me into the tekken scene as well and again I, as with third strike i made friends with the community and they helped me get into it they helped me play uh, i remember very clearly the first time i played tekken 5 uh, I was sitting down at, at the cabinet and it was a big kind of projection monitor and my friend is next to me and right behind this low behold was Ryan Hart. And um, I picked uh, Jin, right? And the first thing I tried to do with Jin in Tekken 5 is I tried to do the laser scraper and they, they removed that in Tekken 5. So I'm like, oh my God, what have they done to this character? Because he got massively nerfed from Tekken 4 to Tekken 5. And I'm just like, what have they done to him? And I just look behind and Ryan has this like big smirk on his face. <laughs> <laughs> so, Historical yes. moments. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that was a good moment. What you see before the end. The smirk right? of Ryan <laughs> <laughs> no, he was just, He was just watching. Like, like at that time, like when I... I, my my level of Tekken wasn't anywhere near those guys, but I was sort of an intermediate level player at Third Strike, and I would occasionally play Ryan's um, 
notorious purple can and i would just get destroyed every time his level like still is it's way beyond mine he's he's a real real pro his approach he's to kind training of a prodigy yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's a prodigy. prodigy that's 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 his name prodigal son right he's um yeah. but it's not just that it's not just his innate talent that makes him good it's just that he has a real drive to learning and understanding and it's not just in video games like you ask him about I don't know, breakdancing or drumming or learning Japanese, he will get stuck into something and he will he will not leave it until he's like mastered it. That's just sort of who he is. Um, but anyway, um, back to Tekken. So I, I kind of got into Tekken, that kind of got the wheels rolling. And uh, that was sort of like a routine for my university years. Like I, I, I studied law in university and it was like a three-year course. I did a one-year master after that. So it was four years of just kind of studying law, part-time job, and then um, Tekken and arcades. And that was sort of my routine. And through those three years, Tekken 5 changed DR, which at, at, at the closing moment in the last year, um, this must have been around 2007 or 2008, sorry, Tekken 6 came out. Um, and... Um, that was super exciting too. That reignited the interest in Tekken all over again. Um, towards the closing, toward the end of 2008, I also um, moved from England to Japan for the first time. I, I'd actually moved from Japan back to England, to the States, to the Caribbean, all over the place for a few years, but I ended up settling in Japan eventually. But from 2008 until 2010, I was mostly... Well, 2009 till 2010, I was mostly in Tokyo. And um, I would go to Shinjuku Joybox um, to sort of play and learn. And if London Trocadero was where I learned Tekken, then Shinjuku Joybox was where I really cut my teeth because those players are like, were at least because Joybox is closed since uh, rest in peace but those players are really something else um and that was sort of like my temple grounds <laughs> I guess and um that was a that was a great experience I, I miss those days um like most of these are big like most of these legendary arcades have since unfortunately closed right like Shinjuku Joybox uh, was sort of the Japanese equivalent of green arcade it's where all the top players would go and um yeah it was it was it was awesome it was awesome um i at the end of my japan experience i guess from about 2011 until 2014 i i, I sort of took a hiatus from fighting games cuz i was just so busy with like you know personal stuff and like work and i i lived in a bunch of different countries but when I moved back to Japan, I made a concentrated effort to move back in um, 2014. So I kind of missed over the tag, glazed over the tag two days, really. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But when I came back in 2014, May of that year, I believe, yeah, it was May. No, it was May 2015, my mistake. So uh, I came back to Japan in 2014. May of 2015, Tekken 7.0 comes out. Honestly, I, th I thought the first revision was kind of rubbish. <laughs> but um, again, the excitement was there around a new game. I didn't think that um, Tekken 7 would last, honestly, when I first played it. It had so many technical issues. 
um, right. like it had atrocious amounts of input delay. Um, the, the balance was terrible. Like 7.0 Shaheen and, and Kazumi were just yeah. horrible, horrible characters. And um, yeah, I, I thought like, ah, they're not very inspired. You know, um, this like tag two was a bit, was a bit underwhelming in terms of sales and critically and 7.0. Again, I don't really see the excitement here, but lo and behold, over the next two years, from 7.0 uh, May 2015 until May 2017, in those two years, they managed to hammer it into a pretty damn good game. Um, mm -hmm. So my initial, I guess, ambivalence turned into real excitement by the time the console version came around because I thought, this is a good game and there are going to be tons of people who are going to want to play this, but they won't know how. So I made that first video and it all kind of starts from there. Um, and I guess that sort of recaps everything <laughs> really for the past right. 30 years. Right. I was actually kind of surprised um, when, when Tekken 7 was being revealed and it didn't look that much different from the models in, in Tekken Tag and, and Tekken mm. 6 for that matter. Like, it, like I thought that this would be kind of like the Tekken 4 because they had already did Tekken five then they did tekken six which was you know still kind of looked like tekken five it was a, com a completely they added some new mechanics but it still kind of looked like tekken five and then they did tekken tag two so i was like tekken seven is going to be completely fresh it's going to be a whole new take and when they started mm -hmm. revealing it the characters still looked somewhat the same so i was really kind of i don't want to say discouraged but i was under under uh, underwhelmed i was not impressed when tekken seven was first revealed and then they had the finishers and i was like what's going on with this like yeah. Yeah. You know, the uh, rage arts, I was rage really arts, yeah. kind of like confused. Yeah, right. I wasn't a huge fan. Yeah, like it's, you know, the, the, the thing with Tekken in general is that the last time they tried any real meaningful innovation with the series was um, Tekken 4. And that's that's coming on 20 years ago now, like more than um, that's 2001. <laughs> so yeah, um, Tekken 5 was sort of like, a reaction to Tekken 4 and uh, the bold risks it took. And it's a better game, absolutely. Tekken 5 is much more competitive and much more fun, but it also sort of threw out the baby with the bathwater, I feel, in terms of the ideas that it presented. And um, ever since Tekken 5, we haven't really gotten any meaningful new, in a, like meaningful innovation in Tekken. We're still really playing Tekken 5. Tekken 7 is Tekken... 5.7 that's the joke right <laughs> so yeah um yeah. it's um i would love for them for tekken 8 for them to really kind of strike new ground like look look at what is the defining core appeal of tekken and focus on that because i feel like tekken's sort of become a bit watered down um especially with you know there's, there's all this complaint of like bloat and power creep and it, it'll point at the same problem, which is just a lack of general vision and direction with where they want to go with the game. They just keep adding and adding and adding, but it's like, they need to ask themselves, what is the core appeal of Tekken? Uh, what got people hooked on it in the first place? I mean, when you say Tekken, still to most people's minds, it's Tekken 3. Um, yep. And that, like close second is Tekken 7, just because it's been such a, 
such success. And but you know, now is the day of social media, now is the day of streamers, now is you know the day of esports. But for its time, Tekken 3 was an absolute phenomenon. So right. um like I think they need to, the Tekken team needs to kind of reassess like what made it, what made Tekken 3 strike such a chord with not just gamers, but just like general people, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And like mm. Tekken 3 sold PlayStations. Um, it was like a cultural kind of, yeah, it was, a, it had yeah, cultural monument. significance. Yeah, really. It really did. Yeah. So I, um, I noticed that the, when, when the Tekken 2 came out, and we've talked about this a lot, uh, Kai and I, about how Tekken 2 very much resembled the 80s. It had a lot of 80s vibes, a lot of yeah. 80s aesthetics. It had some, right. yeah. Yeah, it had, it had a little bit of everything. Um, we could go. We could talk about Tekken Two. Tekken Two is one of my favorite favorites. We could just talk about that for a whole hour. Oh, yeah. But but then when they moved on from Tekken Two and they went to Tekken Three, they kind of abandoned that '80s aesthetic and adopted what would be considered a more '90s, 90s. approach. You know, yeah. Jin mm-hmm. was the more bad boy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, it was it was just phenomenal. It, it each each of the games, particularly two and three, and even four in a in a major way. They all took a strong stance, I felt, on mm. relating to that era. Definitely. And I think because we're in a, you know, a post-COVID, you know, post-internet era, that it's kind of hard to identify what is this era. You know, yeah. 80s is so easy. You know 80s when you see it. You know 90s when you see it. You even kind of know Y2K when you see it. But mm. what is 2017? What's 2018 look like? Yeah. You know, and I think that takes a lot of bandwidth and a lot of inspiration and a lot of manpower to develop an aesthetic for the modern time. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll look back on this in 10 years and be like, ah, <laughs> right. well, now it's clear no what the 20s no aesthetic was, right? Hindsight is 2021, right? So what we, um, like, we'll never know, but you're right. I mean, um, if there's one thing that could be pointed at, at Tekken 7, which I guess... Could could lie at a greater sort of cultural issue is that does does our does this generation does our current does twenty twenty one have an aesthetic to it right or is it just a hodgepodge of previous aesthetics? It's hard to know because we're living in it right now. But right. Um, I will say that about recent Tekken games is that they're, they're just kind of all over the place in terms of their art direction. They want a bit of this. They want a bit of that. They want, they want hard boiled characters. They want the cutesy anime characters and they want everything in between. And mm-hmm. that's fine. Like that's one of the reasons why Tekken has been successful, but at the same time, I feel they've also lost something in the process. They've, they've lost that focus. They've lost that cohesion um, and it also just points to a like the broader problem of the lack of direction and focus, I feel, in the recent games. Now, when I say this, don't get me wrong, I still think Tekken 7 is a fantastic game. It's a great, meaty, like there's a lot to it. It's a game you can lose yourself in, and it's genuinely deep, and it's super fun. But like for Tekken 8, I just hope we don't get more, more. Right? Yeah. I don't right. know that we did it, didn't just keep piling onto it, you know. Um, we'll see. Like, I, I, I would I, love I, to see, and I'm curious to what you think about this. I would love to see Tekken 7 um, kind of get an ultimate edition, like a perfected, you know, like, like this is it edition. Okay. 
and and super balanced and 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 as good as they can get it. Uh, and then Tekken Eight just flipped the script. But they but they promote both of them at the same time. Like I don't want when Tekken Eight comes out that we just kill Tekken Seven. You know, I don't. That's mm. I think that that approach is just kind of not that cool anyway. They should continue mm. to support a great game like Street Fighter Four. Yeah. And Street Fighter Five, I think in some contexts they're both super valuable and both could be awesome to see, even side by side. I yeah. mean, even Third Strike. I mean, we would we love Third Strike, right? So yeah. we would love mm-hmm. to see that continually. So I think I hope Tekken, I hope that they can keep Tekken Seven and use that as a justification to go really abstract and creative with Tekken Eight. Because I, I've seen you talk about this a couple times, and I I almost one hundred percent agree with you that. We would love to see something fresh, man. Tekken 4 yeah. to me is just so unique and so mm-hmm. impressive, even by today's standards. Oh, yeah. It's just beautiful. It's yeah. a beautiful it, game. If, if you play it on a, like, a, like a modern emulator and you upscale to 4K, I, I think it, it genuinely looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it's right. just, and that's just art direction. It's just, you know, it's, 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 it's moves. Well, it's not just art direction. For its time, it was technically incredible as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the thing, like, I, I kind of miss the days when, when fighting games were like a real, you know, tour de force sort of showstoppers. We, we saw that recently, uh, actually, with Strive. I was and about that's, to say, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. one of the main reasons it's doing so well, because you look mm. at it and you think that looks incredible. I want yeah. to play it. That is one of the core appeals of fighting games. Like, if you don't want to play it, the moment you look at it, you've like they've they've sort of failed somewhere. The moment you look at a fight, any game really, like the moment you look at it is when a lot of players decide, like, do I want to play this? Mm-hmm. And Tekken Seven made a lot of, I think, good choices really to, um, to make it sort of a spectator sports, like the slow mo effects, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, that that helps immensely. Like rage arts aren't really my thing from a gameplay perspective, but they are flashy and you know they are eye grabbing. Um, but I think Strive is sort of on another level in terms of technical and kind of artistic impa- uh, ambition. But on the other hand, it's also a lot more idiosyncratic the art style, which is to say it's quite anime, and that's not everyone's thing. That's not everyone's cup of tea. But mm-hmm. I, the main reason why Street Fighter and Tekken have always been the two biggest fighting games is because they have this art style, which is sort of at a middle grounds between cartoonish, hyperrealism, and just realism, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they appeal to this really broad demographic. Um, in the part, but like, I think Street Fighter still does a good job of appealing to a broad demographic but also staying consistent in terms of tone and art direction whereas Tekken is a bit more scattershot these days and I would like to see like with Tekken 3 you can see an aesthetic Tekken 4 you can see an aesthetic Tekken 5 it's a bit diluted but it's still there and with 6 and 7 it just gets a bit more diluted with every game definitely yeah five I would have to 7 they 5 mm. through 7 kind of blends together mm. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think as the games go on, it they definitely become a bit, a bit more diluted. It's quite fascinating, really, when you think about it, because you know, like you said, they're all great games and they all offer something really interesting and unique. But that's amazing to watch a game that you grew up with in real time kind of get yeah. lost in the sauce in a kind of in a, in a way as far as its 
as far as its message and its mood and its approach. Um, yeah, we'll have to see what happens. My, my other question is about 3D fighters. What um, what other 3D fighters do you really, really like? Or what which ones do you think do a, a great job? I mean, you haven't been able to cover every fighting game on your channel. So I'm curious about other things that maybe you haven't been able to talk about as much that you really find fascinating. Yeah, I mean, uh, especially in the future, we you know, I'll be... Tekken will always be a, a big part of TBS. It's my personal yeah. favorite fighting game. But I do definitely want to start approaching other fighting games wholeheartedly. Um, but as for other 3D fighting games, um, Virtua Fighter, of course, it's it's sort of like, the it, it was to a degree my first 3D fighting game. Um, and yeah, I like I really, really enjoyed the recent um, Ultimate Showdown release on PS4. It's just very unfortunate that the online is the way it is. Um, because your experience with it seems to hinge on your location. Uh, I know people who live in capital cities who are close to servers and they've had an excellent experience at Ultimate Showdown. My experience with it has been pretty poor, unfortunately, which is a shame. Even in Japan. I'm surprised. Yeah. yeah, because I'm I'm on the I'm on the west coast. I'm I'm uh, in Kumamoto, which is I'm actually closer to Seoul than I am to Tokyo. Um oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm on the very western tip. So I, I'm guessing what's happening is that I'm in between like three different servers and it's getting confused on where to relay me or something, or I'm often on the short end of the stick when it comes to connections. Um, mm -hmm. I know people who are like based in capital cities or even in Europe, they're very well served by, by servers. Um, they're having a good time. But sometimes if you're if you're like... Uh, it seems to be the case. I've talked to other people in my city and they're not having a good time either. If you're in a location where you are sort of <laughs> like in between several mm -hmm. popular, popular servers, then um, yeah, it, it causes issues. I haven't tried the recent patch. I, I, hopefully that fixes it, but I really want um, Ultimate Showdown or I want Virtua Fighter really to be a presence again. Um, Me too. Yeah. Um, I, I also think Ultimate Showdown might have been a lost opportunity in terms of they they updated the engine. They used the Yakuza um, engine, which looks great. But I think a few, like whenever I played it on my stream, there were people who were always complaining about why does it sound so like 16-bit? Right. Why does it sound so retro? To me, right. I like the sound effects. And I also think they do a good job of communicating what's actually going on in the game they have like a real like they're very distinctive but like to a it's all about first impressions right if a lot of people are saying something and if that's one of the main reasons if that's one of the main reasons why people are turned off by it then i guess that's a point right so i think mm -hmm. they they could have maybe had a toggle option to, to have like an updated audio alongside the classic or something yeah. like these things matter though like when it comes to attracting new players to your game like it's it's a tough market there are tons of fighting games to play so you really have to make a good first impression yeah you remind me of something i agree with you you remind me of the idea that like you were saying that the first impressions are super important and mm -hmm. fighting games in particular are really big on aesthetic because yeah. fighting games are not always easy they're hard to play a lot of the times and you can get beat a lot, but, but the, but the energy and the mood keeps you coming back for more. The characters, 
the way yeah. they sound, the way they look, that will allow, that will, you know, let you stand up to getting beat, you know, right. A hundred times. You know what I mean? That that's what keeps you coming back. So, but it seems sort of, and this is just off the top of my head, it seems sort of counterintuitive to what a lot of gaming companies as services see their work. You know what I mean? Like mm. they don't like aesthetic is we're not going to focus on mood. We're going to focus on how do we create more DLC and, and, and have a big roster and yeah. HD the game and remake yeah. it and, and just continue the legacy of the game as opposed to really focusing on and explaining the, the, the philosophy and the aesthetic of a game, which seems, you know, it's not like in corporate interest. We see a lot of companies that exist and their company's brand is not clear. Their messaging is not clear. Their mood, the videos that they produce are nowhere close to TBS. I mean, a lot of stuff that you all produce, your team, it's, far beyond what we think that the corporations or the game developers or the people who publish these games should be doing for their own game. You know what I mean? Which is going to lead into my next question about why do we think that these uh, companies and the publishers are not creating content around their game that makes it more accessible? Why is it up to the content creators to do that? And I think it's because they don't think that what we think is so important is as important in that corporate space. Go yeah. for it. <laughs> It's, it's, you, you kind of um, brought up a topic I've been thinking a lot about recently is that I have a feeling that a lot of this might change when Riot Games release, release their game. Because um, if you look at MOBAs, for example, um, they, it's a relatively new genre. Um, it's really come into prominence in the past, like, well, at least compared to fighting games, they've been around since the 90s. And MOBAs are more like the past decade is when they've really come into, into prominence. So like, if you look at it from that perspective, fighting games had a huge head start and they had this huge, passionate grassroots community. Um, now there are reasons why MOBAs are more popular or first person shooters. It's one of the main reasons is that, you know, loss is hard to deal with. And in those games, loss comes from a, from a team. So you can kind of, you can sometimes be really bad and you can still win, which is an easier mm -hmm. pill to swallow. But it's also because I think they, they do a really good job of ingratiating new players into their community by like, if you go into, I don't know, like League of Legends, they'll literally have like a section with links to content creators. And like most, most, uh, competitive games worth their salt will do this. They will make attempts to, from the game itself, provide access and um, you know, exposure to the community, content creators, players, events. Um, with fighting games, this still hasn't really happened. And I feel a lot of it's probably down to... Um, Japanese corporate culture it's very very protective and um they they are very very careful with who they associate um you know there's a bit of rigidity to it um uh, and I think it's something that needs to be overcome really um it's it, it's a real shame because I I think fighting games um could and should be so much bigger than they currently are but these basic steps aren't being taken um from from companies from japanese companies to help players 
get into the game, opening the doors to the community, um, opening the doors to the educational resources. It's, um, you know, if you want to learn Tekken, you still have to, you still have to take that extra step of going to Google, typing YouTube, typing learn how to play Tekken tutorial and, and searching through this minefield. It's a lot easier now that we have, we have search engines, we have YouTube, we have Twitter. It used to be much harder with only really Tekken's like at your disposal, but it's still, um, you know, but you also have so much more choice now. Like, why would I play that when there are like a billion other fighting games to play? So yeah, like, like, like they have to, game. exactly. Like any other yeah, thing. That will not like, make me feel as bad for losing. Yeah. That, you know, I won't get caught in like a 50 hit combo and <laughs> life goes on. Yeah. Exactly. I think the only way that fighting games can be palatable in the long term, especially for new players, you have to be surrounded by like-minded people and you have to be surrounded by positivity and like just friendship. And like a lot of that can be lost online. You, you know, like your only interaction with another human being will be some like some hate mail, right? <laughs> and like, it's very easy to, to miss like a lot of the, the beauty of the culture of uh, the community. So the positive elements of it and, um, companies could be doing so much more to push the positive elements to the forefront. Cause if you leave social media to its devices, only ne the negativity will generally come to the top or rise yeah. to the head. So I think there has to be a bit of a collaborative effort between, you know, content creators and companies. And it's been really a real shame actually to, 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 to see how unwilling they've been in this regard. Yeah, it's and thank you for shedding light onto that. It's kind of seems like shocking to to know that basically the only US fighting game company for the most part is like NetherRealm Studios. You yeah. know? Yeah. That is bizarre. I mean, what about every other country? Why why do we have to depend on mostly Japan and and you know, Korea to develop and and create the infrastructure around fighting games? It's just shocking. And so that's why we are so focused on covering these stories because we find it to be kind of a miracle that there is a Street Fighter V at all, that there's an Intel mm -hmm. world open mm -hmm. at all. Like I'm I'm literally amazed that fighting games are still a thing. And I can, you know, from a kid playing Tekken 1 and Tekken 2 can still be interested in video games and, and even be a creator about it. So that's a big inspiration for the work that we do because it's just incredible that that, that that's even a thing. Um, yeah. I, I It's wow. Yeah, you shed a, a light onto a lot. Yeah. Like... When, when I look at fighting games, when I when I think back to the 90s, 1992, when Street Fighter 2 came out, it was, you know, I remember going to arcades and and, and with, with my dad once, and there was like literally a, a line of people snaking around the entire arcade just to play Street Fighter 2. It was, I'd never seen anything like it. That, that when we speak of like cultural phenomenon, like Tekken 3, Street Fighter 2, I'm like, since those days, fighting games have kind of fallen off a bit in terms of cultural yeah. proliferation. And right. that's a lot of that is due to companies not adapting to how the cultural landscape has changed, how people communicate. Fighting games are inherently a communal activity, but what a community is has changed. And, um, yeah, they've, you know, it's, it's not grassroots anymore. They've, they've, like I said, they've, they've failed to help um, develop their online communities and stuff like, 
the uh, TWT is great. That's one. Of, I think TWT is the main one of the main reasons why Tekken Seven has been a success sure. because it sure. shed a light on this amazing set of players and the passion of the community and all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And it, it just all it did is put a spotlight on that, you know. And it's like, hey, you know, you want to be a part of this? It's super fun, but it, it's a spotlight on just the competitive element when they could be shedding a light on everything else. Um, like, you know, honestly, I'm, uh, I, I'm a little bit biased here, but I, I still think it's a shame that Bandai Namco, for example, and it's not just Bandai Namco, but they haven't reached out to content creators to kind of help promote them or give them impetus or, um, right. you know, it's, it's not just TBS. It's, it's all of, it's all content creators really. And right. it's a shame because we've been super, super lucky to, to have found an audience. You know, we were, we were early on the draw and uh, like our first couple of videos struck a chord and like, like out of, you know, there are so many good content creators for Tekken 7, but a lot of them have stopped making videos because, you know, just they, <laughs> they didn't find their audience, despite the fact that they were incredibly talented incredibly hardworking and this is the thing with with passion right it's it's not some limitless resource it's finite it's passion is finite and it hinges on recognition to be sustained or not just recognition just any sort of feedback and feedback yeah it, it needs to be sustained um and i and i think like a simple tweet or a simple like you know if they put a little window like when you when you open up the Tekken 7 menu there's like this this whole real estate that, that they could be using to promote content creators it's not just Tekken it's all it's all fighting games really and I just think like if they took the initiative on that or literally just copied their competitors from other genres man like I think this this genre would take the next step is there a uh, Tekken like community page or Tekken Twitter page, like Tekken community page at all? Like there is that focuses. There is. Is there? I there, mean, made by made by Tekken. Uh, yeah, they made by back. They have, there is an official Tekken page, and they do. You know, I mean, Tekken occasion. community though, like one that's different than the actual the like one that's focused on just community happenings and what person did what, right? Like not just about promoting the game and the technical. No. Okay. Not really. Not in any fish, official capacity, because um, I was thinking that could be a, that could be an avenue for them is to say, hey, we have a whole different account that's focused on the Tekken community because there are people who don't even play the game that are passionate about Tekken. I mean, like you said, most people think Tekken three. If you share Tekken three content, people who don't even play, who haven't played Tekken in years, will be your biggest fans and be your biggest supporters. You know, so I think that why not support just the IP? You know what I mean? Just the brand, just the artists that that are continuing to make art and cosplay the brand and all that you know i don't know i thought that maybe there was a page or something that maybe existed that was like promoting cosplayers and artists yeah and art. yeah like like you know cosplayers are part of the community like that 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 there's a real like you know there's a real passion and drive there's a there's, you know quite a few people enjoy cosplaying a lot of people enjoy doing illustrations and arts and some people you know, make videos, some people make combo videos, some people do educational videos. Um, you know, there are so 
many like when I said with TWT, it put the spot it put the spotlight on competitive play, right. which is great, you know. But top players and competitive players are just one slither of this this pie, right? Of people who are interested in Tekken. And it's like all these other bits are left in the dark. Um, and it's like some people might not be into competitive Tekken, but they might be into the art or the aesthetics surrounding it. So I don't it, it's 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 interesting, it's just it just seems like such a missed opportunity mm-hmm. not to present all of this, you know? Like, t- mm-hmm. like competitive players have the spotlight, but there's a lot more to Tekken. There's a lot more to fighting games. Oh, yeah, besides Definitely. pro players. I mean, really, pro players for fighting games is kind of new. Like, that's not even... Mm-hmm. Like, fighting games have been out for such a long time, and we haven't had pro esports players that travel around the world and, and, and compete on a world stage on a live stream. So even that is new, you know? So mm. yeah, I, I, my, my other question is, what do you think would be the solution? I mean, we see that there's a problem. I would say most people in the fighting game community, even gaming community would agree with you. I think most people that I talk to avid game players, people who don't play that much uh, have a very similar sentiment that things could be a lot cooler, a lot more engaging, a lot more interesting, what do you think would be the active solution for the people who recognize this? What should they do? Should we just, you know, what, what, what should happen? I, I think like the, the biggest step that they could take is giving um, players access to news and updates in the community straight from the game itself. Yeah, this, this is how a lot of um, other genres helped shed light mm-hmm. on their community uh, highlights and this is how finding games should do it too like strive when you go to the lobbies right literally like a third of the screen like from here yeah it's just news and updates but there's yep. nothing there right. like, why aren't they promoting rufal mongers videos why aren't they promoting like sejam talking about you know how to deal with soul's pressure or, or like a novel video or something like that should be what it's there for, right? I, I right, assume right, right. in the betas when they had all the space just for like, oh, they're learning. They're finally taking a leaf from other genres. But no, so far it hasn't been used yet. And it kind of blows <laughs> my mind. Uh, I, I think that's a very kind of no-brainer way of just helping more. Like by doing that, you turn a casual player potentially into a devoted player who will oh, in yeah. turn maybe buy DLC or merchandise, buy tickets. Like it just, right. not only it does it sense. make the community bigger, it just makes sense from a business perspective. Right. And I don't know why they're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I see the Marvel versus Capcom poster in the back. I'm like, why is there not like a Marvel versus Capcom fan page? You know, right. even though right. they're, the infinite is not as popular anymore and they kind of dropped the ball on infinite. People still love that artwork, hence why you yeah. have it in the background. It's like iconic, they, they, right? It's so iconic. iconic right? like, yeah. Why does it why do independent creators and archivists have to share the media and the content from these classes? They should be promoting their own IPs. Do they still own it? I mean, you know, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's crazy to me. Wow. Yeah. With with NBC, it might genuinely actually be a, 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 legal a licensing issue, but, legal issue. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like with SNK, like the, the SNK have this rich culture of just like incredible artwork and like, like there's a huge, incredibly passionate community globally. Um, like, 
put a spotlight on it. It's like uh, uh, King of Fighters is massive in China and in Mexico, for example. So put a spotlight right. on it. Um, you know, yeah. it's it, it it just feels like a t- like what could fighting games do to to be bigger? Well, just you know, I think TWT showed you like like people are interested in the fighting game community, but it's just that's one section of it, right? So that's kind of what we're trying to. Yeah, go ahead, go yeah. ahead. The energy, yeah. the energy and passion that went to TWT and the drive that that could be applied to many different sections of the fighting game community or of a community dedicated to a game. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're trying to do with Arcade Press and what Kai's doing with Archives is like trying to create a language around these other areas of interest around these great characters, like the costume designs for these characters, like the people who who design, uh, like Kai has a brilliant video about Brian Fury, you know, like the idea behind Brian Fury's introduction into Tekken 3 is fascinating. Yeah. Why not talk about that? You know, why not right. introduce, like, go into the fashion and, and the people and the designers that inspired these games, you know? So it, that's another huge lost opportunity. Like, like characters and like, like the, the one of the core appeals of fighting game of a fighting game is that. Yes. Well, it's, it's the fact that you're, you're playing a genre where you have almost unrivaled control over a character like literally mm-hmm. individual limbs right you can mm-hmm. control them and that's people... that's yo you just blew my mind right there i just never thought about that before well like well, when, that's insane when people like people become so insanely devoted to a character like like they almost there's almost sort of like a fusion between their own personality and a, and a video game character there's like right. there's such a synchronicity there and people get incredible like Man, if you ever, for example, like I remember once when I when I criticized some elements of, of Nina's gameplay design, the reaction to that was stunning. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but like people get incredibly invested in these characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like they get invested not just because, you know, the, the, the base reason is because fighting games are a genre where you have unsurpassed control over a single character, but also because like, at least in the past, these characters had like motivations, backgrounds, histories, it was all fleshed out, thought out. Nowadays, it sort of feels like these things are an afterthought. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a massive mistake. That's a massive, massive mistake. It, it, it misses one of the core appeals of why people like this genre. Like, Which like, is why the tactical yeah. shooters and stuff that have been coming out lately are so popular because they are focused on the archetypes. Every character does a very specific thing and they have a very different look to let you know the tank is the tank and the healer is the healer, you know? Yeah. 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 Just throwing that in characters, there. Characters run fighting games. They, they mm-hmm. are at the base, at the core of their appeal. You can play as this cool character and do cool looking things. That is, you know, and everything else is, is service to that, really. Like, of course, there is like the element of, you know, you can play as this cool character, you can do cool looking things against another person, right? Like this, this, this core appeal of a fighting game is still so ingrained in culture actually like have you seen the episode of black mirror where it's like um yes. <laughs> yeah right it's like <laughs> yeah that one right you're talking about fighting but, vipers right yeah fighting vipers yeah. right but it's like when people think 
video games, one of the main genres is still fighting games. Right. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it sort of, it's, it's, it, it, to me, it's a disappointment that they're not much bigger than they currently are because they certainly have the potential to be. Because the actual core idea is very, very appealing, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just hasn't been capitalized on. And there are some no-brainer things they could be doing. And it's it's very clear and easy to understand. It's beat the beat yeah. up the other person, which yeah. which kind of is like kind of makes a legacy out of a very you know age old pastime, <laughs> which is beating you know the pulp out of somebody else, you know. And yeah. uh, you know you don't have to actually get in a fight. You can kind of explore the notion of a fight through this amazing piece of art that you know a team of a hundred people worked on or whatever. So right. yeah, it's definitely. Um, it's definitely way under, I, I don't see why Street Fighter, for example, considering that it has, you know, one of the most, uh, one of the most famous legacies. I don't see why that's not like top three most popular esports titles in the world. Like there should be no reason why Street Fighter is not the most talked about, the most trending game. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. I, I, it's so easy to understand. There's two people fighting on the screen. They both have a super ability. They have a certain amount of health. Time's going to run out. What is so hard about these games? Meanwhile, these MOBAs and like tactical shooters and other games, which are far more complicated, you have no idea who has the flag. Those games have the hugest sets, the hugest stages, esports arenas. Meanwhile, Tekken is like, you know, being completely forgotten about. It's bizarre. Yeah. It's 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 bizarre actually that the finding games are at a fraction of the um, viewership or spectatorship of, of these games. When I think they're much more spectator friendly, they're much more flashy and exciting and dynamic to look at. And like instead of teams, you have these core personalities. Like there are so right. many interesting personalities in in fighting games. And I always like a, a little hobby I have is like comparing the player to the character and seeing what, what parallels there are. It, it's so fascinating. Like, like when you think of Tokido, you immediately as associate him with Goki or Akuma. Yep. And like, you can kind of see the parallels between how he thinks as a player and that character. So, and that stuff is cool. Like that stuff is yeah. super, super cool. Um, I think with Street Fighter, just about every single possible corporate mistake that could have ever been made for a competitive <laughs> venture was made with street fighter five. Right. Yeah. Um, I, uh, like every single one, <laughs> you did a mistake. They made it. it. And rough, for the first yeah. three years, that game was just bumbling and fumbling. Um, recently in the past year, they've, they've been really making some, it's come a long way. Yeah. Yeah. It's come a long way. They made some excellent decisions recently, which is why I'm excited for street fighter six. I think they've got their heads screwed on um, and I think they know what's up, but we'll see. I'm genuinely excited for Street Fighter VI just by going by the past year of what they've done with Street Fighter V. Um, you know, comparatively, Tekken Seven, I feel like they... One of the reasons why Tekken Seven was so popular, by the way, is, was because Street Fighter V fumbled and bumbled and, like, mm. you know, Tekken Seven had the opportunity to take the spotlight as main fighting game. Um but I feel like a lot of the creative decisions, particularly in the past two or three years, speak to that lack of direction and vision and cohesion. And it's very, very obvious now. And, and the reason why players are upset is fundamentally that. It's like, where are you going with this? Um, what do you want to achieve? Right? Um, so I have a bit less confidence for Tekken 8, but I'd love to be pleasantly surprised. Yeah.
Definitely. What are you? What are your thoughts on uh, DOA? So Caliber are those games that uh, you're big fans of? Also, yeah, I I, uh, I really you know I kind of fell off the Soul Caliber boat um, after Soul Caliber two. I really enjoyed Soul Caliber two and its free range of movement. It feels like you could do anything in that game. Soul Caliber three kind of. Yeah, yeah, it, it it was sort of the <laughs> beginning of where things started falling apart, and it just didn't feel as it to me and to a lot of people. It just felt like I'd rather play Soul Calibur two, and and that's sort of you know the 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 series has was sort of in hiatus for the longest time. Um, like I quite liked Soul Calibur five actually. I think that was kind of underrated. Soul Calibur six brings back quite a bit of. I think Soul Calibur six is a very fun game, but. I'm not sure it's a very competitive game. And, and when I talk to Soul Calibur players, they feel that, that that's the general inclination about it. Really? Is that, yeah, the characters are all super, super fun. They can do some wild, crazy stuff, and it's really fun. But it's so character-driven that there's no, like, there, there isn't enough room for player interpretation or player, like for a player to implant themselves it, it like they all say it's not competitive enough which is one of the reasons perhaps it didn't take off it's not um, competitive enough meaning um it's not as simple as saying it's unbalanced but i i think it it simply boils down to the characters carry too much of the weight mm. of the decision making so when you play it's more like you're playing the character and it's less you making the decisions i think any fighting game is generally a balance between being character driven or player driven like virtual fighter is the player driven the best sure. example of completely player driven like every single decision you make is on you yeah you can't right. autopilot in that game which is also one of the reasons i think it's unpopular because it's genuinely quite hard and stressful to play um games like soul caliber on the other end of the, the spectrum where like you can kind of autopilot and you can kind of do stuff um, and it'll be successful even at a higher level of play. Of course, there's quite a bit to it, but like the characters run so much of the gameplay on their shoulders. Guilty Gear is another good example of that, but there are so many system mechanics there um, that you can kind of wrestle out of any situation. Um, but I feel that like this is... this. This is the thing with Strive is that it's it was very popular at first, but the numbers on Steam have kind of dwindled a bit. And I wonder if it's running into the same problem in that a lot of the characters are just kind of like, if you see 10 souls from 10 different top players, they'll probably look the same. Right? <laughs> um, and I wonder if it's going to run into the same problem. I think Strive is very, very, very fun, but I don't know if it's if it has that level of competitive meat or, or depth to it. Having said that, it's version one, and I think it's pretty damn good for version one of a new system. So um, we'll see in the future how it develops the meta. Definitely. And so quick, maybe thoughts on the other fighting games like DOA, oh, yeah. Mortal Kombat. Yeah, DOA. And, uh, um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So about Soul Calibur, yeah. Yeah. DOA, I think, is a game that is actually really, really interesting. Uh, it's got a very unique combo system. And it's it's kind of, it's an interesting middle ground between uh, Tekken's focus on uh, space control and Virtua Fighter's more like 
you know, close range sort of uh, the interplay rock, paper, scissors. Um, but like they it's, it's kind of a shame that in the past, at least it was really marketed as being like this really sort of titillating, super erotic kind of game. Cause that overshadows what is at its core, a pretty mm-hmm. damn good fighting game. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and again, if you want to talk about corporate bumbling, like, like uh, I think it's Tecmo. <laughs> I think they might have they might have done an even worse job than Capcom and Street Fighter Five. They completely have no idea what they're doing. And yeah, when it comes to balancing and just basic sort of technical issues, that's where Dead or Alive fails. And they haven't really done a good job of sort of yeah, just you know their their priorities are not right when it comes to marketing that game i think um and it's left the wrong impression on so many players and it's fine for a game to be titillating it's fine i mean it's fine for a game to embrace being erotic but now people when you think of dead or alive most people think of ah it's that sexy game with the anime characters with the big tits and they don't think a fighting game right um and that's sort of that sort of shot its 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 chance of being taken seriously, which is a shame because there is quite a lot to Dead or Alive. Um, but yeah, uh, Mortal Kombat. I think it's it's interesting. I think Mortal Kombat Eleven might potentially be my favorite Nether Realms game, um, and like I feel like. They they just recently announced that they've stopped supporting Mortal Kombat. It's a shame because it's only two years. But I yeah, think, I'm curious what you think about that. yeah, well, what do I think about that? Like, I think two years is nowadays. It's very very short when it comes to um, like I don't know. Yeah, like I, I imagine after Mortal Kombat 11, they're going to be um either doing Injustice or rumors of a Marvel game. But it's like there's always going to be an audience for Mortal Kombat. I imagine we're going to have to wait like at least another five years from another Mortal Kombat. So I don't understand why you can't have a little cooker on, like a little stove on Mortal Kombat, just keep trickling <laughs> updates, like little balance updates, it, you know, in the background. Yeah. Why do you have to completely leave it behind? It, it's sort of baffling. Like NetherRealm Studios is huge. I'm like, surprised like, that they even admitted it. I'm surprised they were like, yeah. oh yeah, after two years, there will be no more content. I'm like, why did you, you should have just let people find that out slowly, you know? <laughs> it's it's weird, right? Because then, then you get, you have this sense that you're playing a dead game, which is a terrible phrase, it turns away players like it it, but there's always going to be people playing mortal kombat it has like when you speak of rich histories and you know like uh you know being a cultural landmark mortal kombat especially in the west is that yeah in the west that's it like it just had a movie for christ's sake i'm not a huge fan of the movie but it just had a movie (laughs) um so like it's just weird to me that you, you like like two months after the movie's released, you, you you're shutting down support for the game. It's bizarre, and you know it's that movie was it just it sort of felt like made for TV, right? It felt a bit just Ooh. joyless to me. You know, yeah. it, it was fine. It was very perfunctory. It it did what it set out to do, but it just felt a bit like joyless that's that's how i'll put it <laughs> you know um, it was like they took the ip and then they adapted it for tv 
instead of yeah. just saying we're gonna make a Mortal. Kombat. They weren't like nobody was hyped. Like we're gonna make a Mortal Kombat movie. It's gonna be sick. Right? Like we're gonna use like the old. You know, it just none of that. None of the feeling from the MK community was felt yeah. like it was in that movie. You know, because the MK yeah. community is hype. MK is yeah. hype. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. wasn't hype. That was not a I hype like- movie. <laughs> I was really into Mortal Kombat as well, along with Street Fighter in the 90s. And like up until Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3, I think most people fell off from Mortal Kombat 3 up until Mortal Kombat 9 or the reboot where it went through sort of like a uh, transitional crisis. Yeah, like Identity Crisis, those awkward teenage years, right? And then it matured into, you know, like what we uh, (laughs) know and love now. Um, But like, it's interesting because I always, I, I, I compare MKX to Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. It's very aggressive, rush down focused, mix, 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 has a run button. And then with MK11, they kind of brought it back to MK2. It's more neutral, more considered. Um, it's a bit slower. Um, I, I, I generally, I like both styles, but I really like MK11, but for a few gameplay quirks that really turned me off. The breakaway feature in MK11 is really, really bad, I think, because yeah. you can combo someone, they can flop to the floor, your combo will whiff, and they will combo you. And it's like, why yeah. am I being punished for comboing you? <laughs> um, right. Like, I, I, I like so much of what, Mortal Kombat 11 is, but for a few blemishes that really ruined the experience for me. But um, overall, I think it's a really, really good game. And it's, it's a bit of a shame just to um, have left it there. Because I still think, I think there's a lot like... Yeah, sorry, go on. No, no, no. I think ironically, the MK NetherRealm Studios, they have like the, the tightest grip on the aesthetic for their fighting games almost more than any other fighting oh, game. Yeah. Because if you look at just the menus for MK11 and even Injustice oh, yeah. 2, it's absolutely astonishing. Oh, yeah. Like in Injustice 2 where you're like Bruce Wayne in the back, like what? And you're looking yeah. at, I guess he might be out of space or something, but whatever the menu is, it fe- like just scrolling through the menus on an MK game or Injustice NetherRealm Studios game, it feels just unbelievable. The slow motion win animations that they have, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, you know, when it comes to aesthetic and when it comes to nailing and art direction, like they clearly have passion in in spades and they know what they want to do and they set out to do it and they achieved it like, you know, perfectly. And it's all the reasons why. Do you think? Yeah. I think think it really is. Does he spearhead it? No, really. I I think having um, a, a director with a clear vision of what he wants to achieve and he he's clearly a massive comic book nerd like he he clearly oh, yeah. loves this shit right oh, yeah. so um yeah you can see that passion in in the games themselves and in, in all the and in all the like the little like for example like in um what was it the the, the recent update ultimate world Combat 11 they added friendships absolutely no competitive value but like, just go to YouTube. Like, look at the friendship uh, <laughs> compilations. They have millions of views, right? Mm-hmm. Look at how, look at the, the unique character interactions um, for every character. There are like three or four unique character intros between every character. Each character. And like, yeah, that's no competitive value. But again, go to YouTube. All of these videos have millions of views. People are interested yeah. in this and it, it, it enriches your universe and gets people interested in playing them. So it's like, then you look at Tekken 7, it's like, <laughs> oh my God. Oh, man. 
Wow. So so what are the chances that we'll get a TBS produced fighting game in the future? Man, if only. Uh, Because you got all the answers, bro. You got all the answers. (laughs) I I would love to see your fighting game, man, because you will put attention to all the things that we need. You would celebrate the community. What are the chances of something like that happening? How, how, how could we make that happen? Um, well, (laughs) (laughs) games are expensive. Like the thing is with fighting games is that like, I'm, I'm a hobbyist, right? I, I like, and and I fully understand that. Like, for example, um, you you see, like, you see that Sekiro guide there. Um, so I, I helped co-author that. Um, and, like that that was sort of like my peek into development and how it works and balancing. And Sekiro is a single player game, but even for that, like man, creating video games, it was clear to see that creating video games is crazy hard. Like the fact that like <laughs> video games like, like when you look at them, they're like little miracles, right? The fact that they function mm-hmm. and they work and they run. Yeah. And then, then you, when you think about a competitive fighting game and when you think of two characters and they have a bunch of moves which can interact with one another in millions of different ways, literally millions, like uh, like the permutations of move interactions, uh, it, it's sort of mind-boggling, right? So, like, making a fighting game, like, for all the negativity that goes on about balancing and this and that and, like, all that... Making fighting games is hard, like hard, hard, hard. One of I think it's one of the hardest genres you could you could ever tackle, um, because at least with a single player game, it's it's a it's a, it's a you know it's sort of it's a closed experience, right? Like it's a controlled it's a controlled experience because you have like a single player and then a bunch of AIs which who interact with you in, in predefined ways. With with fighting games, it's like two humans who are unpredictable and you have to think about how all these moves interact so man like balancing a fighting game must be the the most insanely difficult thing i can imagine um but man like making a fighting game i hadn't thought about it but (laughs) where to start where to start really i i guess i have a bunch of ideas um but yeah, like that, that's that's a team thing. Interestingly, I did actually um, put together a team to create a uh, training mode. Uh, sorry, not a training mode, a uh, tutorial mode for uh, Tekken 7. I had like two developers and I'd written out a script and we had a like set of blueprints on how to create a mod to integrate a um, to, like a tutorial mode into Tekken mm-hmm. 7. Mm-hmm. And it took it, it took ideas a bit from VF4 Evo and a bit from our videos and kind of blend them all together. Because VF4 Evo is like the blueprint. It's fantastic. It's amazing. But it's a little bit sterile. So it's basically about taking that and making it interesting and impactful and exciting to carry on with. Um, but like, unfortunately, we couldn't get developed because I really wanted to get um, permission from Bandai Namco before I put a bunch of money into developing this but um you know we we didn't hear back from them which was very frustrating um but yeah um i think when it comes to development i i have ideas i feel reasonably confident in 
restricted areas and confined spaces of fighting game genre. But when it comes to just developing a game, man, <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Mm. What's the next uh, chapter for TBS as far as the next games that you plan to work on? Yeah. Um, I, I, as I said earlier, I, Tekken will always be a part of TBS, but I feel that sort of the wins behind Tekken 7 are sort of dying down a bit. Um, and I want to take this as an opportunity to cover a lot of different games. Um, I want to cover Strive, Virtual Fighter, Soul Calibur, Mortal Kombat, all the games we discussed today. I really want TBS to be more of a multi-fighting game um, sort of channel. Uh, Smash, we've been doing Smash videos. It's like literally anything under the sun. And mm-hmm. the, the general, and not even just fighting games. We, we like, you know, I'm a huge fan of horror games as well, for example. So we're, we're going to do some of those. Just awesome. anything and everything, really, with a main focus on fighting games. And the, the main approach to it is this, is that um, I'm just going to start with a streaming schedule. We have a huge video in development right now, which is like in the tail end of development. We'll be out in early August. And then once that's out the way, we're going to kind of settle into a groove of, I stream daily. I have a topic I want to discuss in every stream. There's a game I want to play in every stream. And then, you know, I, I take that stream. I get a video or two out of it. I post daily. And in the background, we have about one high quality video every month. Um, realistically, with the amount of patronage we get on Patreon. And by the way, making these high quality videos doesn't make sense financially. Like, like, so well, you're very, trying to get the backing from Bandai Namco and from other, and they're kind of leaving you yeah, left on red. Completely uninterested, yeah. Uh, but you know, that's that's whatever. Like, I can't. <laughs> I think it's a waste opportunity. Um, but it's their decision, so you know, I, I can't begrudge them for that. But we're very, very lucky um, that we have patronage that supports us um, to make these high quality videos. Because um, you know, like finding games are fairly niche. Uh, that you know like it's hard to get enough people to want to support you to make high quality videos like that and we're we're lucky enough that we got that and a a lot of that was uh thanks to a push um especially from um the main man he you know he gets a lot of um slack online but i i i'm eternally grateful to him for helping us get the wheels on our patreon rolling um he's a good friend of mine i mean we can we can talk about him too if, if, if you'd like but like sure. well I, I mean you know we'll, i have a friend who, i have a yeah. friend who's who's in sweden and they're, they're actually really good friends he like pops up on uh the main man's stream sometimes and on his channel and uh we're hoping actually eventually get him on arcade press uh for the for an interview because we he's a he's a he's an icon i mean he's a legend let's be honest i mean as far as like uh, playing and, and documenting and streaming and, and contributing to the community and not even yeah. being from, you know, the States or Japan. He's just, a, I mean, he's a, he's, he's incredible, you know? Yeah. So that's, I, I'm glad that you, you and him have a good relationship. Yeah. It's, and, and I'm sad that he doesn't have a good relationship with other 
like kind of leading members of the tech and community. In fact, if anything, they, they want to disassociate with him and, and, and sort of push him away. It's, um, I, he has a knack for saying controversial things and he has a, he has a knack for getting salty and saying insensitive things. Um, but, you know, it's, this whole cancel culture thing around him is incredibly, um, it's very frustrating. Is this related to um, the, the, the comment about the South Korea's FGC scene? Or like, is that what the cancel culture thing you're referring to is about? Because I, yeah. I don't follow him religiously, but I see his content and I know he's kind of a... He's kind of a firecracker, you know, he can rub people the yeah. wrong way because he has strong opinions and, and, and yeah, does yeah. He, he does his own thing, you know, mm. is that what you're referring to? A bunch of things. Yeah, there, there was that. There's, that's the main incident, really. Mm. And I think I don't want to like when it comes to that, I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, main man was, was in the right there. No, of course. Not. <laughs> he's a very, he said a really insensitive thing. And if you're offended by that, I totally understand it. Um, what what kind of rubbed me the wrong way about that whole issue is that that whole argument seemed to arise from a cultural misunderstanding. So um, I think he replied to Nee's tweet and he was saying something about 2D characters. And, and then main man said in a fairly sarcastic way, like, do you really want to rob players of, you know, the joy of playing 2D? And then, Nice saw that as a provocation and, and made the scrap man thing. And then, and then that kind of took off. And then uh, he went onto a stream and then like hundreds of people went in and started calling him scrap man, scrap man, scrap man, scrap man. And it's like, you know, yeah, he said a pretty shitty thing, but like put yourself in his shoes, right? And see it in context. Um, I just thought it was a bit like, why is nobody saying that Nee said something kind of provocative as well? Not to the degree that Main Man did, but it just seemed incredibly one-sided to me. And more than that, a bunch of people were like, Arya, why aren't you calling out Main Man? Why, like, it's happened a few times since then, whenever he makes a comment, now that he's become like this, this pillar to be railed against. And every time he says something controversial, people come to me and they're like, Arya, aren't you his friend? Why aren't you disassociating with him? Why aren't you like joining the, the mob? I'm like, because if he says something I don't like, I can just message the guy and talk to him. And we've done that quite a few times. This is how yeah. friendships operate. I don't need to make a public statement about him. Mm -hmm. I, I just find it weird that people think that's a normal way to interact and what is what does that achieve if you if you create a mob and you pillory someone like what does that achieve like if you if you create if you, it's basically just shaming and it's just putting up you know a veil of shame on someone mm -hmm. how do you think that what do you think their response will be to that you know like it's it's not going to this is the thing like i'm really glad social media wasn't a thing when I was a teenager for every <laughs> dumb little thing or thought 100%. I ever had to be permanently crystallized on the internet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like people change. People sometimes have a bad day. People like, but 
it feels like every single thing that is said is always interpreted in the worst faith possible. Mm-hmm. And it's the internet. It's never forgotten. It's, you know, I... This is one of the worries I had before getting into content creator life is that, like, man, you have to be really careful in, like, what you say, who you deal with, and, like, who you talk to. Um, it's... Yeah, it's one of the reasons I actually kept the channel as, as being like, I, I was just a, a, a uh, faceless voice for the first two years of the channel. Um, and it's really in the past year and a half, two years that I've kind of come to the forefront. And I've and it came from a desire really just to kind of, I wanted to interact on a more meaningful, intimate way with viewers and people who watch the video. And I wanted to kind of recapture that sense of being a part of a community. Um, but you know that, and I've really enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, but there, you know, there are pros and cons to that approach. There are still plenty of really good video makers who keep it generally off the camera, and I totally respect them and understand their decision to do that. In the same way that I understand that, for example, Frame Whisperer refuses to have a Twitter account, mm-hmm. um, like. And it can be quite overwhelming. Like, especially when I, when I first got into it, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm generally quite a private person and I, and I keep my thoughts to myself. When someone writes something, anything, I, I, you know, I consider it deeply and I take it to heart. So like it was all at once, it was a bit overwhelming, but I think over time I've gotten used to it. And, and now I feel like, yeah, okay. I, I think I can handle this, which is why I'm going to start the, the, the daily stream schedule soon. But I also now have a newfound respect for people who do this shit every day. Like, like people mm-hmm. like, you know, Aris or Max or like, like it, it's, I don't want to say that like streaming is harder than uh, working in fast food or whatever it was. <laughs> Leopard said. Um, but it definitely, there are some definitely some difficulties to it. And there are some things you have to get adjusted to depending on your personality type. Fundamentally, I still have a lot of fun playing these games. I really enjoy them, and I have the utmost of respect to the craft of making a fighting game. Um, and yeah, I think they're beautiful things, I, and I and I really want more people to get into them and play them and enjoy them in the same way that you know that like, when I first got into them, when I got into fighting games when I was in university, I really felt a sense of community and, and, and place and being and it kind of extended beyond just just the game itself um right. and you know a lot of the things we've talked about in, in in this in today's interview like the sense of being able to express yourself through a through a video game i think it's um perhaps most prevalent or at least prevalent in a very kind of unique way through fighting games because you're doing it against the backdrop of another human being. So, um, <laughs> yeah. right. It's, it's, they're really, really fascinating things. And I, and I, and I guess it's still that, that fundamental kind of curiosity behind the games themselves to sort of, cause I didn't enjoy playing the games. I wouldn't be making videos about them, you know, but I just think they're such fascinating things. And, um, you know, it's always so exciting whenever a new 
uh, fighting game is out. I'm always so excited, whether it's Tekken or, you know, Guilty Gear or Street Fighter or Grand Blue or Smash or whatever, Killer Instinct. They're all, they're all super, super cool in very, very different ways. Um, and yeah, yeah, you know, I, um, I just really like video games. <laughs> I guess that's it. It's like the perfect answer. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, my, my last question is uh, just how can we uh, be supportive of, of TBS and the work that you're doing in general? What's the best way to be involved in, in, and to stay up to date? Um, well, I appreciate that. I mean, I, um, like, I, like I mentioned earlier, we're kind of going in a two-pronged approach with, with the channel. If you right. really dig our high-quality videos, like our you know, in-depth character overviews, breakdowns, the retrospectives... There's a massive character overview in the works right now. It'll be out in about two weeks, three weeks. Uh, like most, <coughs> most people know what it is. It's basically a version two of our first video on TBS. The entire roster, uh, we're doing overviews on the, like all 50 of them, right? It's a 90 minute video. Uh, we've been working on it for like two, three months now. And it's, uh, it's sort of like the finishing cap on high quality Tekken 7 videos, which is not to say we won't do any more high quality videos, but high quality Tekken 7 videos. We mm -hmm. might do high quality Tekken uh, 5 videos. I really want to do a retrospective on Dark Resurrection, for example, or uh, I really want to get into like high quality Strive videos, for example. But if that's your jam, if that's what you like in TBS, then um, that is entirely supported through Patreon. Because those videos don't make, as I said, don't make financial sense. Um, like I can go stream and I can talk about something or I can react to something or, you know, and I'm not to say that this content doesn't have value, but making that sort of content is much, 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 much easier than, than spending three months on, you know, the video I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, and they might get less views, but if, it, if it's, you know, views to our spent ratio, yeah, they do way, 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 way better. It's not even comparable. So like the only way those high quality videos can sort of can survive really is if you support us on, on Patreon. And uh, for as little as, you know, $1 a month. Actually, I prefer the $1 uh, patronages because those guys generally tend to never leave because it's just like $1 a month. And it allows me to set a budget for the incoming year, how much, or the incoming month. Um, how much uh, we can create. At the moment, we get just over $1,000, and that means we can um, consistently create 20 to 30 minutes of high-quality video every month. So that's researching, scripting, recording, editing, motion graphics, and sometimes a PDF to a company. Um, and as it goes up, generally every $1,000, we can do another 20 minutes more. Um, so, but yeah, currently at $1,000, we get about 20 to 30 minutes 30 minutes per month. And we've been doing that, in fact, a bit more every month. So yeah, immensely grateful to our patrons. If you like that, please support us on Patreon. Um, as for if you like, if you enjoy watching me talking about stuff. <laughs> That's um, what we're here for. That, <laughs> we're, yeah, right? um, then just just watching is... Um, yeah, that's, that's a great way to support a, a, a tweet, um, a like, a retweet. Um, if you really want, you know, just tune in to um, my stream. You know, I'm going to be streaming quite regularly from next week. Um, and yeah, like I said, like, you know, TBS is going for a two-pronged approach. One is 
generally kind of the aria show i guess and the other more objective high quality videos akin to what we've been doing for the past four nearly is it four years now wow time flies yeah four years now and it's patreon.com slash uh that blasted salami awesome hey man we really appreciate your time we appreciate your 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 effort and your energy and your insight and the awesome videos. Thank you so much. Hey, man. Been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for having me. Indeed.